You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. It kind of feels like the universe knows that Halloween is canceled because of coronavirus because we skipped to Christmas. Yes, this is the second morning in a row that it has been snowing upon waking up in Chicago. And it's not like nice snow. It's like shitty city snow. And it's not even sticking. So it just gets wet. That said, I was happy when I went out to run today because I'm dumb (laughs) in the snow. (laughs) I was happy it wasn't sticking because it wasn't slick. Um, But it it was soggy. I, I was soggy when I got back, you know. I had like a brief hope when I woke up this morning because I could hear the cars like sloshing by on the street. And I was like, oh, it rained again. No. No. No, it didn't. That's fine. I'm ready. We can skip to Christmas. I'm here for it. Today in YouTube, like a recommended video popped up for me that was like Christmas music from another room. And I was like, I don't under- not quite ready for that. I really don't understand the from another room asthma. Um, I like it, but I could not tell you why. I'm not really an asthma person except for cracking my knuckles directly into the mic. So maybe that's it. Like I don't get the goosebumps. It's not even about the goosebumps for me. I think what's appealing about it is that like, if I'm listening to music, that is the thing that I'm focused on. So I can't really listen to music while I'm working, uh-huh. but like from another room is distant enough that I'm like, this is a pleasant noise in the back of my brain. Have you seen all the people who are listening to the Mario Kart music to study? No, because like apparently the Mario Kart music was uh, composed to make you concentrate. Interesting. And people are like, this is better than Adderall. <laughs> it's like how restaurants play fast paced music when they need to clear tables. Huh? Yeah. Cause they want you to eat faster and leave. Interesting. Restaurants I think are shut down now in Chicago. I believe so because no one should have been indoor dining in the first place. No, I certainly haven't been. I don't really know anybody who has been. Yeah, I was going to say no judgment, but actually... No, hella judgment. There's a don't pandemic. Go, there's a pandemic. Don't go eat inside. Order, order, out, order out, though. Support your local business. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my family has ordered out more in, like, these past six months than we have in the last six years. Oh, yeah. When, when I was at home, like, my dad was like, all right, just pick your favorite Detroit restaurants and we'll just do what we can. Yeah, it's like Lebanese grill once a week. Mmm, Lebanese food. Hmm. Oh, now I'm hungry. Me so. too. I want some... I want some hummus. I want some hummus. I want some lentils. Um, now we're going to talk about something that's going to make you aggressively unhungry, which is the <laughs> third episode of season 3B of Teen Wolf. This one is gnarly. Disgusting. Yeah. Just nasty. It's very... It's funny. I didn't realize that this was like a Halloween episode. Yeah. We were talking earlier today, um, just kind of preparing, and we were like... We remember this episode being very kind of out of place in the rest of the season. And I think knowing that it's a Halloween episode makes a lot more sense in in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, But like the most Halloween it gets is that there's like pumpkins in the hospital. Yeah. And now there's like the red lightning on the credits, but that's been a consistent thing throughout yeah. these first couple of it's mischief night. It's not technically Halloween yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's devil's night. Um, you said you had never heard of Mischief Night. I do not recall knowing about Mischief Night. Like, I never participated in anything that would have been considered Mischief Night. Our house got egged a couple times. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Devil's Night is that it's more, like, culturally significant, just in, like, where I grew up, because it used to be when all the arson was commit in Detroit. 
Interesting. So yeah, it's like very historically a bad, bad, bad deal. Uh, and now they, they celebrate like what they call angels night where like people have, you know, sort of banded together to prevent arson. Um, nice. but I didn't even really understand that it was like a thing elsewhere in the country. I think it's one of those things where, like... It made it seem like arson was happening in my neighborhood. It wasn't. (laughs) Um, Just the occasional egging. You know those maps that are, like, what people call drinking fountains in different parts of the country? And, like, a tiny, tiny sliver calls it a bubbler. And you're like, what in the world? The funniest thing about calling it a bubbler is it's Wisconsin and Boston. And you're like, those places aren't (laughs) even close. They make no sense in relation to each other. Uh, Yeah, I feel like there's... I feel like I've seen a map of like what the only people that who call it Devil's Night is our people in Michigan. That's why every time I take those like what's your dialect test, it always like that's the they new always know. know. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides the everything about me, I sound like I sound like Governor Whitmer. The damn roads. <laughs> that damn roads. Uh, anyway, well, where were we? <laughs> We're talking about season three, episode fifteen. Yeah, of Teen Wolf, um, which takes place on 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 Mischief Night, mm-hmm. and this is like we said, a sort of uh, outsider episode to the season, but it is also very key in setting up a bunch of stuff that happens in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get too into it, I think we have to do our recap. Yes, um, I'd also like to share that this particular episode was uh, written by Owen O'Donnell and Angela Harvey and directed by Robert Hall, who, as far as I could tell, mostly has had a career as a makeup artist, including working on Teen Wolf as a makeup artist and then directing some horror movies I'd never heard about. So, <laughs> Teen Wolf nepotism never ends. <laughs> it did. T- if you worked on Teen Wolf in any capacity, you are allowed to direct an episode. Which is like a very nice idea of camaraderie, but maybe not... Well, it's always cool when you see, like, one of the actors directing mm-hmm. an episode in a season, uh, especially if, like, the show, like, in the later seasons of shows, um, which is common, I feel like, on the CW. <laughs> They're, like, letting them get their feet wet. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so it's it's not, this one isn't a Jeff Davis episode. It's not Tim Andrew or Russell Mulcahy, so it definitely is different. Mm-hmm. Although Angela Harvey being in there is, you know, Thank you. locked down. Some- continuity and some lack of continuity we'll talk about it but first no. we have to do our 60 second recap you are going first <laughs> okay um which has never once helped me like going second <laughs> has never been like the thing that was like okay now i did a good job well i took a leaf out of your book this time and i was actually taking plot notes during so the episode i only ever take plot notes i do not write down anything else um all of my other notes are completely insignificant like oh i liked allison's outfit she was she she looked really cute she had a cute little tennis outfit going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we can save that for Q's and O's. Are you ready? I've got a minute on the clock. I think so. One, two, three. Okay, so Styles breaks into um, the high school to play a prank because it's mischief night and it's also Coach's birthday. All of a sudden they're at uh, Beacon Hills Memorial and something is happening. Everything's all of a kerfuffle because a bomber who blew up a school bus is coming in for surgery. Um, and Melissa asked him why he did it and he says because kids have glowing eyes. Uh, back at Beacon Hills High School, the twins show up because they want to join the pack and Scott and Styles are like, no, I don't trust you. And then Isaac's like, I super don't trust you. Um, Styles tells Scott to ask Kira out because he is the hot girl. Coach is anticipating a prank um and yells at people when his uh, office falls apart there's the surgery where the man uh wakes up because there's flies in his stomach and he runs away 
uh, with his stomach completely open. Um, Derek and Peter are talking about the claws that they went to go steal. Vero goes to the school um, because he's looking for something they're not sure what. The wolves are searching, um, and they're pulling the fire alarm because they're afraid that they, he's going to blow up the school. Scott goes to dinner with Kira's family. They eat sushi. Scott eats a bunch of wasabi. Um, there's a cute little stiddy moment, and then they go to the high school to find out. You're done. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a, Oh, Every time I wrote down a plot note, I was like, I can't believe how many details. Yeah, you know what I was impressed with, though? How much, hmm. like, sort of slice of life there was in this episode for it being so jam-packed? Oh, it was incredibly funny, and, it, like, there were real moments of humanity. I need I need some some ha-has with my screams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Okay. There's a lot, is what I was saying. So are you ready for your turn, your try at the recap? <laughs> no yes okay uh three two one go okay so uh this like unibomber type is brought to the hospital for surgery and melissa has to interview him and it's really scary and then styles and and scott prank the coach for devil's night slash his birthday ethan and aiden ask scott to be in his pack and they're all like no you guys suck uh styles encourages scott to ask okira the coach gets pranked and lydia hears like flies that aren't there the bomber wakes up in the middle of the surgery and then like flies fly out of his stomach and then he escapes and heads to the school Derek uh sews peter's finger back on and teaches and shows him that he is Tally's claws and he's like I need to talk to my mom Lydia and Aiden get back together and like the Unabomber is in the closet like stapling himself together gross Uh, the gang teams up and Lydia tells him about the fly noise Uh, the police are leaving the school and they're like no 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 the bomber's still here but they leave anyway and the werewolf search for him and then Styles and Lydia pull the fire alarm because they think he's still in school but he's not Peter puts on Talia's claws and then um, Scott's invited to the Yukimaru's for dinner and he eats a chunk of wasabi and then Styles and and Lydia set up his murder board then they go to school because they're convinced that the bomber's still there and they see Kira's name so then they go to try to save Kira but he's already been, she's already been kidnapped by the bomber and then he accidentally electrocutes himself and she absorbs all the electricity to the wire yeah <laughs> I can't believe I was like I'm gonna do so bad and then I pulled that out so yeah, it was great the only thing we really missed is that uh at the end of the episode Isaac is attacked by the Oni yeah which is terrifying very scary uh oh i also didn't mention anything about the uh, the alice and isaac of it all they were kind of a a little bit part but it was also great because i you know a little romance a little little romance a little uh fun a little bit of hanky panky (laughs) so to speak so to speak um anywho uh so we're gonna be talking about this episode through the theme of doubt it seems like nobody can really trust their everybody's trying really hard to trust their gut, but there's so many things that are um, being disproven or new evidence is being introduced that makes it so nobody can just sort of go with what their instincts are. Um, and it it leads to a very sort of high-paced, scary, scary episode. Um, mm-hmm. So funny that we talked about fear in the last episode. I'm like, maybe we should have <laughs> saved that one. But I think doubt actually fits better. So where do you want to start? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, do you want to talk about the adults? Yeah. Let's talk about the adults. I want to talk about the sheriff. Yes. He's trying so hard to work with the knowledge that Styles has given him. And then in this particular episode, Styles drops the bomb that Lydia is on the chessboard mm-hmm. and and the show's like well she wasn't on the chessboard and he's like well he she is now um and it's just like too much for him to handle even though he knows even though he's seen the kids with the glowing eyes it's too much for him yeah um and it, it's interesting because he wants so badly to be able to just believe 
Styles inherently at this point um, because now that he has all the he now knows that Styles has pieces of information that he doesn't otherwise have and therefore like Styles is is he needs Styles to inform the rest of his police decisions mm-hmm. um, and when Styles calls into question the fact that the bomber might still be in the school he has no choice but to be wary of that and believe him because he knows that he won't always have all of the pieces. The biggest problem here is actually the lack of a lockdown. As an American (laughs) citizen, I have lived through my fair share of lockdown drills. Uh, That was not it. I remember in elementary school, there was one day where we had a lockdown because there had been a problem with a guy like flashing people in Meyer and like he had been spotted, which is clearly not a thing that you want elementary school students to be, but we were not in like immediate physical danger. And we had like a legit lockdown over that schools, like schools out in the wilderness will lock down if there's like a bear nearby. Yeah. American schools love to lock down. They do. And it's also like there, anybody who's watching this, uh, even if they're not American, probably understands the severity of what a lockdown drill means uh, Mm -hmm. in this country. I just don't understand why they sort of like, I think it would actually be more interesting or more suspenseful in the episode. If everybody is locked in their classrooms and like the werewolves can't go out to go investigate and like find this guy. Oh, that was a note that I took as well. I thought that would have been a really interesting plot device that was such a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also if we have any Californian listeners, I'd be interested to know your take on this because I know a lot of schools in like warmer climates have lots of different school buildings. So there's a lot of kids like crossing in and out of buildings, going outside and coming back in. And I feel like especially then it would be very important to make sure that people stay in one place. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't really lock down an open campus unless kids are in classrooms. Uh, And it's funny, my best friend is from San Jose, and she didn't know that there were high schools that were all one building until she (laughs) went to U of M. And I was explaining how, like, my high school was a conglomerate of buildings, but they're all connected through, like, weird hallways because you just can't be outside in the winter. it's too cold. Um, So, yeah, that just... That that spoke to spoke to me as just sort of something that was like, oh, we'll just ignore that very obvious thing in favor of progressing an episode in a different way. And that I was like, come on, which is why like the sheriff sort of doubt is misplaced in the way that like the sheriff would be like, no, everybody gets your classrooms like lights off, blinds down, sit in the corner, no phones. Well, what's even crazier about that is the fact that it's not just the sheriff's department. The it's FBI. also the FBI. Dude, I just, also I'm just thinking about all, like, my I once had a fire drill because somebody lit a gummy bear on fire in a chemistry class. Like, they take that shit really seriously. Any mm-hmm. moderate weather will put you in a tornado drill. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. They don't ever hesitate to lock down shit it's too the stakes are too fucking high well and the other part of that and perhaps this would not have been applicable at the time that this episode was written and then uh you know screened but i feel like now if i were in a high school and i heard the fire alarm go off i would be immediately suspicious because it is a school shooter tactic yeah i will say this episode was written post sandy hook so hmm uh but i mean like that's how the florida school shooting mm-hmm. in 2017 i think it was bearing a fire alarm a fi- he pulled the fire alarm yeah so that just immediately like yeah so like styles and lydia doing that that's so much scarier to me that you're putting everybody out in the open mm-hmm. 
I love. I, I know we were talking about the sheriff, but like I, th- um, I have many opinions on the safety of schools in this country. Well, and it's also frustrating because I feel like the show's argument is that the sheriff is a very competent man. Like he, he's very good at his job. The reason that he can't close cases is because he doesn't have the information. But this is such a routine thing to put him in a situation where he's not doing the absolute bare minimum to protect students, you just make him look dumb, which is antithetical to everything you've established about his character. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And also makes every single administrator in that school look guilty as hell. Yes. I I mean, I know we're also... <laughs> hindsight is 50-50 or whatever, but like... <laughs> I At that time, the lockdown drill was still so important. Columbine happened in 1999. Yeah, that's why we had, like, we are lockdown drills. We started practicing in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, people who may be listening in countries with stringent gun laws, what's that like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you also have uh, strict, like, corona guidelines? Because, wow, am I jealous. We're really just in the New Wild Zealand West over here. New Zealand is like, we are king. <laughs> we, truly the Wild West. Um but yeah, no, I think I think you're right about about, about this making the sheriff look dumb. Um, and his the thing the which is only furthered by the fact that he believes Styles and can't actually do anything to act upon it. He just kind of has to trust that the teenage werewolves will take care of the bomber if he's there. And to, which is insane. <laughs> to be fair, the teenage werewolves have done a lot of heavy lifting for the sheriff in the past. So perhaps that's like a valid thing to assume, but also what pressure to put on teenagers, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, but you know, there's like the intense conflict of though the sheriff might lose his job. Yeah. So if he goes against the direct orders of Raphael, which why are you there? Why is he there? To suck. <sighs> yeah. There's, there's just a lot that happens in this episode that you were like, mm, no one did any research. Yeah. Even more blatantly so than usual. Yeah. That's not why we're here to talk about, though. I mean, we'll get to that in Q's and O's. Do you want to talk about Melissa? Yeah. um, Melissa, I feel like we haven't seen much of her in the previous two episodes, but she gets um, a little part throughout this episode. Um, She's clearly the only nurse at Beacon Hills Memorial. Yeah, she's an ER nurse. (laughs) Like, nurses specialize just like doctors. And you can get yeah. scheduled in different units and stuff, but mm-hmm. presumably and a, sur- a, a, a surgeon's assistant or a, a surgical nurse would be in the OR t- doing those pre-surgery questions. Yeah. But, I mean, clearly they just wanted her there to, like, have he's the all, reaction. He's not, even, he's not even an emergency room admission. No, he's, like, in a room already being prepared to go into surgery. Yeah. And also the fact that he's not more heavily restrained is ridiculous. The whole like w- w- they're bringing him here. Um, prisoners go to the hospital. They go to the hospital <laughs> all the time. Also, uh, women who are pregnant in prison give birth in shackles, so I'm pretty sure that they could have restrained him a little bit more. Terrible. Uh, yeah, the prison system in America, guys. Um, wow, what, <laughs> we've t- we we do, we got sorry. Corona. We've got <laughs> lockdown drills. We've got prison, mass incarceration, pr- prison abolition. <laughs> it is a regular episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Yeah, how do you think she's experiencing doubt in this episode? I think that this. I think the stakes have gotten much bigger. Mm-hmm. 
higher so higher yeah, yeah oh. there you go the stakes have gotten much higher for melissa because it's now not just her kids but with this guy it's like oh he's gonna hop on another bus and blow it up is her assumption mm-hmm. um and so i feel like she's kind of doubting the sheriff's ability to take care of it mm-hmm. um and also, I mean, she clearly feels very conflicted about whether or not he should even be at the hospital, which, as we just said, people, prisoners go to the hospital. And deserve to be there. Yeah, because they are human humans. beings. Yeah, um, yeah. I think she's really conflicted. And, um, like, particularly when the OR doctor... Mentions, ma- like, oh, what if I, you know, mm-hmm. mess up? Which is horrific. Horrific, but it's happened in every doctor show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which, what a terrible thing to hear if you're a nurse yeah. in that OR with him. Especially if you're, uh, especially if you are already predisposed to having bad feelings about this person because you know what they did, um, have already been threatened by them, but also still have an obligation to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Very. I think she, I think she is doubting her own morality throughout this episode. I think she wants this guy dead, but also like can't think that she can't think that way yeah because she's a nurse <laughs> also just like again a human being mm-hmm. yeah um and that's a really complicated place to be in who do we want to talk about next i feel like because this episode was so jam-packed i feel like everybody had little moments mm-hmm. who stood out to you the most um in terms of like doubt lydia mm. lydia has really very little um confidence in her abilities in this episode. I think this is an episode where she feels particularly unhinged. Um, and even though she is being listened to very explicitly by her friends, her inability to pinpoint what she's hearing and feeling is driving her nuts. Especially because, um, the werewolves have all gotten to go to werewolf school. They've all been trained by other supernatural creatures who know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And like Derek teaches Scott how, well, Derek doesn't really teach Scott how to control the change, but Scott like figures it out and he learns a lot of other things from Derek. There's no other Banshee in the series until season five. So, uh, Lydia's just like winging it. Season four. Season four. Is that what happened? Actually, Meredith is in this season. Is she? Yeah. She's in Iconos. I clearly do not remember what happens in this episode, in this season. Wow. Okay. No, I do, but it's like. I don't know. People come in and out, and I'm just like, I don't know where where you started. Off. But you're right. Like Lydia is a, is uh, Lydia has a, a serious disadvantage in understanding like her place in in the supernatural world, um, but also has right now like the most important gift of anybody, um, with the exception of Kira, who is wow, what a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, has the most important gift of anybody, and is so has. I think is both terrified that she'll be wrong and terrified to be right because what if she's right that means somebody dies. And that's such a such a difficult place for somebody to be in and it makes Lydia constantly unsure of what she's supposed to do next, what information she's supposed to give to her friends. Is she just crying wolf like mm. crying wolf? <laughs> um and I think that that really is expressed in this episode and it's like Styles who tells her that if like she needs, if she wants to figure this out, she needs to release those feelings into her scream and like use her voice to concentrate and like fuel her power. And that is amazing to hear from styles. Um, who 
for the last time this season, is experiencing very little doubt. Yeah, I was going to say he is the most confident of everyone in this episode, I think. His confidence is so rooted in Lydia and Scott. He -hmm. has so much faith in these people that they're going to be doing what's right and like make the right decisions um, that he is able to sort of have a just time to, to use his deductive reasoning and like be the styles of old. He, he is their compass. Like I think at this point, because Lydia's powers are so new to her, he has to be the one directing her. She hears the buzzing, but she doesn't connect it to the fact that she is able to like sense certain things. She's just like, Oh, there's a fly in the classroom. And it's only when styles brings up the fact that there were flies in his stomach, which so gross, gross. That is like one Mm -hmm. of those like playground horror stories that you hear about, like flies coming out of a wound or something. Mm -hmm. Um, just like one of the most disgusting things I could possibly think of. There are, I was going to say there are bugs that burrow, but mm-hmm. not like that. I was trying not to make that imagery too gross. I hate that. Hate uh, that I said it. No, I just hate bugs. Full you, stop. Yeah. Full so stop. not a fan. But Styles is even the one who is like scream. Yeah. Like he tells Lydia to scream. So she is so much relying on him to direct her to finding like how she needs to behave and what she needs to do. And Scott also, I think, really looks to Styles, particularly when the twins are offering to help. And he's like, well, they don't trust you. And the implication is because they don't trust them, that Scott also doesn't trust them. Trust the twins? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that Scott, in when in doubt, like, like sort of gives his best judgment to his friends. Mm-hmm. He trusts Isaac and Styles. Therefore, in when faced with that question where he doesn't really know what to think of the twins, he... like diverts his judgment to them. Yeah. Um, So I think that is a way we're in which Scott is experiencing doubt in this episode. He seems to not really know where his alliances lie Um, in regards to the twins, obviously. Especially because Scott is really like second chance McGee. Like he just really wants to believe the best of people. And it's not as though the twins have not helped him um, in the past. But Isaac and Styles are both right to be doubtful of their intentions because as Isaac reminds us, they killed Boyd. Mm -hmm. They were certainly the people who made that happen, even if they did not uh, do it themselves, Mm -hmm. which is just what a position to be in. Yeah. Do we have anything else Styles is, is going through in this episode? Um, I think he's more of like a supporting player he's not none of our main characters are experiencing the hallucinations it seemed like they wrapped up at the end of this episode and we know we find out later that the electrical um uh shock that styles experiences is what how the like no gets an egg gets in his body because the door is still open Mm -hmm. that's explained at the end of the season i'm fairly certain so we have one episode of of comfort basically yeah um but i think styles is doubtful of other people's trust in him which is an interesting place to be because the only person who really seems to throw their trust into him in this episode is lydia whereas like his conversation with his dad is he's like visualizing his dad not trust him and like that is puts him in an, an interesting position that his dad doubts him um when 
all this time he thought that like finally this would be the thing to make his dad start believing in him and then that's really interesting to me yeah well I think Styles is particularly struggling um in his relationship with his dad because you know we learn that his dad is up for an impeachment basically for being fired from being sheriff and I'm sure Styles must feel like that is his fault and uh, you know, the sheriff is his only remaining parent. It's not like he can go to his mom and be like, is dad mad at me? Yeah. Cause you know, you do that sometimes. Yeah. Like, Hey, I said something to mom and she's still mad at me. And your dad's like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, Styles doesn't have that. So he, I feel like is constantly unsure of where he stands with the sheriff because sometimes the sheriff completely believes him and is totally willing to go on his theory. And there are other times, particularly in this episode where he gets shut down completely and because he's already gone through all of the stuff with the chessboard, I feel like his assumption was, oh, my dad's trust is going to be automatic from now on because he knows that I'm telling him the whole truth. And he's not experiencing that, which really must make him doubt the whole way his dad sees him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which is very sad. Very sad. Um, should we talk a little bit about Kira? Yes. Kira spends this episode feeling doubtful on a social level. She is all of a sudden like doubting her ability to make friends and be friends with people and doubting her, like um, her sort of comfort in relationships. And she expresses that much to her dad that she's like, I don't want a boyfriend. I just want people to like me, you know? Mm -hmm. And she says, like, I had so many friends back in New York, which I think I mentioned that I thought they were from L.A., but no, they're from New York. Which is why Kira dresses like such a cool girl. (laughs) Except for the first outfit that she's in where she's wearing those, like, cut-off tights. tights And Jordans. Yeah. Girl, what's happening? Yeah, I think this is a kind of a natural spot for her to be in, given what we've seen of her the past two episodes, where she's, like, really trying to integrate herself into the group and it's clearly not working. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last episode, I'm kind of glad they brought this up because um, Teen Wolf never addresses trauma, but she was like, the rabid coyote came after me. Yeah. And she's clearly like upset with that. And um, perhaps she sees that as like, well, people aren't going to talk to me now because I'm the coyote girl or something. Yeah. 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 I think, well, I think especially in high school, any blow can feel like a fatal one. socially um and it's she even is so angry with her dad for inviting scott over because she was like this is gonna end me in some way but like no it's not because scott mccall is himbo extraordinaire yeah and i think that him it's funny that her dad does that and it seriously embarrasses her but also ends up reaffirming her confidence Mm -hmm. in how in her in her ability to make connections with people and when they're sitting on her bed eating pizza it's like very very sweet it's so charming. Yeah. Scott eating that wasabi is so <laughs> one of my favorite jokes in Teen Wolf. That said, uh, I have a bone to pick. <laughs> Scott's never had sushi in California. It it has always seemed strange to me. Also, I feel like sushi started becoming really popular in like the, the early, like, aughts. The aughts. I mean, you know, it depends. I feel like if you are raised in a family that just like doesn't eat certain kinds of cuisine like you're Mm -hmm. just never gonna try it yourself and I mean Scott is maturing to the point where like you start going out into restaurants with your friends but like when I was going to restaurants with my friends when I was 15 it was like we went to Potbelly before we went to the movies you know so I can see where it wouldn't happen maybe I love sushi (laughs) 
and I have always loved it. So, well, you you come from a foodie family. Yeah, we're big foodies. So. Yeah, I really mm, sushi. Um, plus, my brother's a weeb. So. <laughs> no, but the idea that Scott doesn't know how to use chopsticks when we know he regularly brings his mom Chinese food at the hospital. Chopsticks are hard, man. No, but the idea that he's never used them before is absurd. Well, you, there are people who get their packages of Chinese food and throw the chopsticks immediately in the trash because they're like, I can't do this. Terrible. That's how it's supposed to slow. It's like a, I'm the, not the best way of eating. defending that habit. <laughs> no, but I I'm know. just saying that there are lots of people who are like, well, I have a fork and it's a perfectly good tool. Nah. If we go out to any Asian cuisine and somebody asks for a fork, I do get embarrassed. <laughs> I try so hard. Um, yeah, anyway, that was just like... Uh, no, I disagree. I just probably like, no. Scott would, even if he's not a sushi eater, would know how to use chopsticks. Yeah, I also found it extremely funny when Mr. Yukimura is like, I'll make lasagna, a dish that takes hours, hours. to make. I'm also laughing that somehow, like, this guy affords, like, a bunch of sushi-grade fish on a teacher's salary. And is like, oh, that's like a casual Wednesday night. Well, what does his wife do? I don't know. She's very, everybody's very well put together. They live in a beautiful house. Oh, yeah. So like California, mid-century modern. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. Very um, Japanese inspired. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. What does she do for a (laughs) living? I want to (laughs) know. I don't know why we're getting so, why I'm so hung up on the the dinner scene. Mostly because like we haven't had like a fun thing about Teen Wolf in a while and that dinner scene is very fun. There Um, are so many good, fun moments in this episode. Yeah. Everything with the coach and anytime the coach and Styles get to interact is, yes. The Thank moment you. when, like, right after Styles has pulled the fire alarm and the camera just pans over his shoulder and the coach is right there is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> no one, the coach is like, if I were four years younger, I'd punch you. And he's like, coach, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, I know. Brilliant. <laughs> Orny Adams literally just came to set and was like, I'm going to have a good time. A good time. Yeah, I love it. Um, who should we talk about next? Do you want to talk about Isaac and Allison? Yeah. Um, they are a little bit having doubts in the supernatural realm. I think Allison is all of a sudden doubting her ability to like doubting her knowledge of the supernatural realm when she's like trying to dig through the bestiary to find anything about flies. Um, but more importantly, they want to bone. They do, but they're like, they both know that that like would maybe be a faux pas Mm -hmm. and like be bad for the friend group. I'm here to say that friend groups always recover from that shit. Like, <laughs> oh, they they really, especially in high school. Yeah, like everyone gets over it. But they are both having, um, they're both doubting their feelings for each other, and they're both doubting whether or not making a move would be the right move. Um, and Isaac does kind of go in to kiss her, and she's totally gonna kiss him, but then you know thinks better of it and is like, "Are you trying to kiss me?" What makes you think I would would want to kiss kiss you? you. And it's like, oh, God. All of the tension between them is so expertly done. Even though those scenes aren't give you serious secondhand embarrassment, it's like, yeah, yep, yeah. Am I remembering correctly that they dated, like, the actors? I have no idea. I feel like they did. Um, Um, What a power couple. I'm going to look it up while we're talking, but... um, Because the moment right before they kiss, like the eye work that they're doing, like just the, yeah. the look up, the look down. It's so like, 
steamy. It's why Mamma Mia 1 is so good. It's just the unbridled sexual tension between Dominic Cooper and Amanda Seyfried. Um, oh, yeah. The don't go wasting your emotion <laughs> yeah, number. Yeah, so good. Um, okay. Everything between them. Again, like I said earlier, this is like this. Uh, we have some Teen Wolf that's a little bit more slice of life than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and having them sort of get together and do the scene that I think references the notebook where they like take off their shirts and stare at each other. It's kind of a weird dick showing contest, but it's pretty great. We get the another werewolf from Chris. Well, I was glad that you brought that up because I um had I have not seen the notebook, so it's on Netflix. I, yeah. Let's see. I'm I'm yeah, she dated Daniel Sharman, so I feel like Yeah. It was real. <laughs> I wonder if their dating started pre or post this season. Mm, it's said 2012 to 2013, but I'm not about to... I'm not I have gonna. no idea what's what the timing is on this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's very obvious that they've kissed each other before. Uh-huh. So. Um, but also, Allison is like, I can't kiss another werewolf. And then her dad comes in and is like, another werewolf. Yeah. I. It's funny because I think that's still like, she's sort of questioning her family allegiance a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like now that they have the new code, is that something acceptable? Mm-hmm. Even though werewolves have like wreaked havoc upon her whole family. Yeah. For all, for e- eons. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very fun little subplot. Very fun. Uh, unlike the Peter Derrick subplot, which bored the shit out of me, didn't leave me asking any questions. I was like, whatever. I, I was wondering about this actually while, um... I was watching it because they just cut into them being back at Derek's loft with no other explanation of where they were, or how they got there, which is fine. Didn't need it. But I really feel like they could have started that plot line right there mm-hmm. and had some like interesting dialogue or like a quick flashback. No, no words, no nothing. Like, I really feel like they could have cut out so much of that. I think what would have been great is if at the point that they're searching the school, for the, for the bomber, Scott could pick up the phone and be like, Derek, I know you haven't been answering my calls. Like, please, 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 we need you for this one. And then it flashes to Derek and Peter chained to the, to the wall being tortured. We didn't need any of that in the previous episodes. No, because there was no urgency for us to know where Derek was. No, and this didn't advance. And this sort of, the fingernail plot didn't advance anything because we didn't even get to hear his conversation with Talia. Yeah, we're not, I think that's the most forgettable part of the episode and it becomes like very important later on when we find that Derek can actually morph into a full wolf, Mm -hmm. um, like his mother. But yeah, we were given crumbs. Except for like a fun little Peter moment where he's like, I don't do things unless there's something in it for me. And we're like, we know God, honey, baby, we know, we know. Um, anybody else experiencing doubt in this episode? I feel like we should talk about the, the bomber whose name I cannot remember. William Barrow. Yeah. It sounds like a pirate name. I don't know. It does. Uh, he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Doing an excellent job. Oh, so good. Terrifying. Truly terrifying. Um, and what's so interesting to me about his um, sort of um, delusions and like the sort of thing that drove him crazy is the doubt people had in his knowledge of the supernatural he keeps saying like i see kids with glowing eyes and when nobody believes and everybody doubts him that drove him insane then he kidnaps kira i the thing about that is that it felt very real yeah it felt like a logical progression of what might happen to you if you see something 
supernatural and no one ever believes you because you go around blabbing about it all the time. Um, and the more and the more people refuse to acknowledge your struggle, the more like isolated and weird and like violent you can become. So not only was he people were people doubtful of what he was seeing, he was also just experiencing just being completely probably written off by people which can make you which like isolation is as everybody knows from coronavirus, isolation <laughs> will drive you crazy. Oh yeah. And it's not as that like I'm education is not like an insulator against this, but the fact that he's like an electrical engineer, he's a very intelligent man who is like extremely capable. Just makes him Ted Kaczynski's fictional self a michigan yes. alum ted kaczynski yeah but no he is very much supposed to be like the unabomber oh yeah um and he makes direct references to like the village of the damned um so having like a fixation on a fictional um piece of property that like helps you relate to the world it's just it's really well constructed i actually think because i feel like he's a one-off villain but his uh you know, Teen Wolf does have a innate ability to sort of victimize mentally ill people, but somehow they didn't do it with this one, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I actually was thinking about when he first showed up? Hmm. Um, when he tells Melissa that he like saw kids with glowing eyes. And it's not really explained to us why he automatically thought that the kids with glowing eyes were like evil and needed to be destroyed he clearly connects it to village of the damned in his mind but in a very very bizarre way and in a way that i do not think the writers were thinking about at all it very much sets up the plot of season 6b of the persecution yeah of supernatural creatures Mm -hmm. which is crazy because again he's a one-off villain in a in 3b well i what i think is interesting is that like in sort in in this, like, the whole idea is that his fear infected him, and that's the entire plot of 6B, which is mm-hmm. why it feels so referential. Um, do we have anybody else we want to touch on before we move into Q's nose? Uh, I don't. Re- well, I mean, the twins, very Are, briefly. They're there kind of to help. And they're like... Danny's cheating on uh, Ethan. And they're like, I guess Although, we'll go back to high school. I, <laughs> I love that Aiden is like, I'll take math for you. Which is so cute. Hmm, I would have done that with my twin, but neither of us can do math, and she also shaves her head. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't shave it, but it's very short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They felt vaguely worth mentioning, but... Well, yeah, just in that they're experiencing Scott's doubt. Like, mm-hmm. in our conversation of doubt, they are a vehicle for somebody else's. Uh, but do you have any questions? <sighs> oh, um, uh-huh. Maybe this is just me being completely unobservant, but did you know that Lydia was left-handed? No. Like, Holland Roden is left-handed? I guess, but, like, I don't know. I feel like when she's writing on the board, she's clearly, like, writing with her left hand, and it's going over the stuff that she's writing, and I was like, hmm, I did not know that Lydia was left-handed. Being left-handed is really hard in life. Yes, it is. There were three kids who were left-handed in my class at school, and when you do stage combat, when you fight with a rapier, like a long sword, you have to fight with your right hand. And every once in a while, my professor would be like, okay, everybody switch your blades to your left hand so you can see how it feels when these three kids have to fight. And I'm amazed I never stabbed anybody. It is exceptionally difficult. Yeah. that. So back when The Simpsons was not 
just like a grueling slog of a never-ending cartoon, um, one of the like important plot lines is that um, Homer's neighbor, Ned Flanders, is left-handed and he opens a store for left-handed people and they sell like left-handed notebooks and pens and pencils for left-handed people, which is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always loved that. I like a fun little detail. Uh, any lefties out there? Let us know. Yeah. Uh, I think that was kind of my only question. question. It was more of an observation. Yeah. Well, my it was a question for you, if you had noticed that. No, that's not something I pay attention to. <laughs> okay. Do you have any questions? Uh, I, my only question was about uh, why the lockdown was just not a lockdown. Ridiculous. We did go through that at length. We did, because it's absurd. Yeah. Again, we take it personally, because we are people <laughs> who went to high school in America, but like... Yeah, it just seems kind of like an insult yeah. a little. But even places that don't have, like, our gun laws have lockdown, mm-hmm. like, drills at least in schools. Because anything can happen at any time. Yeah, what a world we live in. Yeah. 20, if 2020 has taught me anything, anything can happen at any time. And it might as well. And Yeah, at this point, just throw it on the pile. Uh, do you have any questions? Observations? Oh, sorry, do you have any observations? Um, yeah, I had a couple, uh, I forgot how quoted this episode was like the, I'm the hot girl. And oh, that's one of my observations. The I'm the hot girl scene is so good. It's so pure. Yeah, can we talk about how Scott is always holding Isaac's hand? It's, um, a little blatant. They just love each other. They do love each other. They're maybe in love with each They're other. They're maybe in love with each other, but listen, Scott has two hands, one for Isaac and one for Allison. Yeah. We don't have to give one up. Yeah, the other. They can be, this can be a power a, thruple. A thruple. Um, yeah, I loved that. That, and that if, 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 if Daniel Sharman and uh, Crystal Reed had stuck around for season four, maybe, maybe it would have happened. And yet, we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, I love that Lydia's scream has physical power. We see that a lot throughout the rest of the series. I also love um, that when Styles tells her to stay in the car, and she's like, why do I have to stay in the car? It's not like, oh, because you're a girl. Styles is like, I only have one bat. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's also an admission that, like, I cannot protect you with mm-hmm. my bat, and you cannot protect yourself because I only have one, so please stay here. Which is so uh, not misogynistic. It was lovely. And then the other thing um, was that there was the really sweet moment about, like, naming conventions. Um yeah. And I was thinking about this specifically in relation to me, because um, when my parents got divorced, my mom went back to her maiden name. But when she married my stepfather, she waited for a really long time to change her last name because she didn't want me to be the only one in the mm. family with a different last name. Shout out to you, mom. Uh, yeah, I just think that's really sweet. And it's just such a like a kind thing to take into consideration. Um, like my grandmother also did not change her name back. I also think it's really interesting that we specify that um, Kira is a child of two different cultures. Yes. Her dad's Korean, right? Yeah. He, yeah. he mentions that he mm-hmm. is Korean. Um, and that because they got married in Japan, that is like a big reason as to why he took her name because of the, the notion that they have to be part, like the name is part of them being part of the same family. Mm-hmm. Um Especially in a moment where I'm always kind of like, is this cultural appropriation? What's Teen Wolf doing? Like, I love details like that because it shows such a respect for what they're pulling from and also humanizes the stuff that they're pulling from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
True. Um, I have no questions except for the lockdown thing. Uh, my observations. Oh, the stidia, the conversation <sighs> that Styles and Lydia have when she's laying on his bed and he's explaining the murder board and he's like, just basically just like sitting down and being like, I believe you. So tender. Also, like, this, I remember we had this conversation a couple times in a couple different like classes in school that especially in um, written work, the number one thing to destroy a female character is a man calling her crazy. Mm-hmm. Also in life, the number one thing to just ruin your day is a man calling you crazy. Oh yeah, like if you ever meet a man and he's like, my ex-girlfriend is crazy, you're like, what'd you do to her? Yeah, yeah. You're the common denominator <laughs> in all your bad relationships. Um, I just, I thought that it was so affirming. Yeah, I really, well, I am team Stidia, of course. Um, Any ship that's happening know. in the show, I'm shipping it as it's happening. In this episode, we have some Skyzik, we have some Alisak, we've got some Stidia and a ship all of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And one of the best things about Stidia is how good of friends they become and how much they start to lean on each other and like the bond that they clearly have, which that scene illustrates so well. Styles and Lydia are like a weight sharing exercise. When they're, when they're offering the same amount of like support to each other, they don't fall over. That was a really beautiful way of putting it. Thank you. You're welcome. I was just thinking about acting school because <laughs> I talked about stage combat, talked about conversations in class. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, that was the last of my observations. All right. Cool. This was a jam-packed episode. I it we... was. I feel like everybody listening is like, I have whiplash. Blame, blame Teen Wolf. Yeah, no, we us. didn't write it. We didn't write we it. We're know. just here to report it. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any pack stats? We do. We had four glowing eyes. My favorite being at the beginning when Scott comes up behind Styles to scare him at the school, and his eyes are glowing a little bit. I love that he tells Styles he's not going to go to be at the school to prank him, and he's like, of course, of course, he's going to be there. That's their mm-hmm. tradition. They're bros. They are bros. Yeah. Uh, so four eyes. One claw, I guess technically you could say two because Talia's claws no, are also there. That was just, just yucky. Gross. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, it's just it's just gross. And then we have two shirts courtesy of both Isaac and Allison, which Love when we get a girl seen. shirt. Yeah. Um, one side and it's so not far. like, uh, oh, sorry. sorry, I was going to be like, that. it doesn't feel, I don't feel gazed upon in that moment, you know? No, it's very much like I'm doing this on purpose yeah. kind of a thing. Um, I heard a siren vaguely. I don't know if it showed up. I don't remember hearing one. <laughs> Only one. And then the ads. Oh we, my God. That stupid <laughs> Nokia phone. We didn't even talk about it. this season. It is the central plot device of the next episode because they need to get it out of the sheriff's station, which is just okay. Um, but the fact that it's like a bright yellow nokia like why i mean i get it people don't randomly carry around digital cameras anymore but that seemed like a moment ripe for a digital camera yeah and no it just had to be that stupid nokia phone yeah stupid oh yeah i'm trying to think about what the rules are about confiscating phones as evidence is well, I think they can just take it. You think we just take it? Didn't didn't I just vote on a law <laughs> in Michigan that says you need a warrant now to steal 
technology, she'll take take an evidence. Yes, but I think it's like when you're a victim of a crime. Okay. Okay. There was a little toot-toot <laughs> just now. I think when you're a victim of a crime, but most often you voluntarily hand that over. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we did just vote. If anybody's voting in Michigan, there's a law that says that uh, authorities need a warrant to search your um, digital data. So vote Which yes on that. Which they should have always needed. This anyway. is the problem with the internet. There are no laws. No laws. Um, yeah, that ad is egregious, especially because they we sit there and watch him like go through the photo features because that phone's big thing was like, it is a digital camera, but it's also a phone. You know how... Um, I don't remember who made this joke. I feel like it was on Twitter, but it was like, why does every Snapchat I get from an Android phone look like it was taken underwater? <laughs> <laughs> like any camera phone back then was never as good as you thought it was. Yeah. Especially not that one. Yeah. He's like turning up the brightness, like stuff that you would do in post anyway. Like mm, mm. It, it was all dumb, but they were like, look at how good this phone is. And I was like, please get to the end of the episode. Yeah. Dumb, 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 dumb. But those are our pack stats. Cool. Do you have an alpha of the week? It's Kira, right? Yeah. She's such a badass. She redirected many, many volts of electricity she's through her so, hands. Oh, God. She's so powerful. She's she, like the most powerful of all of the... Yeah. It is a true shame she was not around last season because it would have been very interesting to watch her go up against Deucalion because I think she could have kicked his ass. Yeah. It's also really a bummer that she's not around in season 6B. Mm-hmm. That's when I would want her there. Yeah. She can skip season five. It sucks. It's, Yeah, but she could have beat up the... Mm-hmm. She could have cut the power at Eichenhaus, and they could have gotten Lydia out or whatever. Actually, when does... Wait, when does Kira go away? After four? Mm, yeah. Okay. I actually... Does Kira ever meet Parrish? I feel like that would have been a dynamic duo. What a, what a weird combination of supernatural creatures. Yeah. Oh, Parrish sucks. Anywho, um, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. If you guys haven't already listened to it, we just did a bonus episode on Jennifer's body, and I think it's really good. Yeah. And I love Jennifer's body, and I really hope that you guys do too. Um, if you've never seen it, please do. It's required watching. We had a fun time recording it. We did. Our mm-hmm. friend Kathleen guested. Uh, if you liked this episode, we really hope that you guys leave us a review on iTunes, a written review. Um, it really helps us find other members of our Wolfpack and other Teen Wolf fans to come hang out with us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us at Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf and our Facebook group, Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. Join it. Join in on the fun, share the memes. Um, But other than that, I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, Uh, Awoo!